Thank you, Aaron, uh, for leading us in this time of prayer. And thank you to our uh, students, uh, most of whom were seniors that just graduated recently. Uh, joined Josh this morning um, as we celebrate. Uh, all these guys are from UMBC, where one of our college ministries, Living Water, was there. And don't you enjoy having them here? Yeah, I do too. Thank you, guys. Today we're continuing and actually wrapping up a series that we've been talking about. What is a biblical church? What are the essentials? What are the things that make a church a church? And not just a group of people getting together, not just a group of even Christians getting together, but a group of people that are called by God. And there were three things that we've looked at so far. Uh, We've looked at the fact that it is a confessional people, that we have certain things that we believe. That we believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died, that he rose again. That gives us hope, uh, just as Aaron shared, that there will be a day when Jesus will return. That we're a spiritual people, gifted by the Holy Spirit, regenerated, and put together as a body. So these group of, I, I know them well, these young students, I can tell you about them. You guys don't want me to? They don't want me to. Uh, I can tell you which one has a heart to share Jesus. I can tell you which one is actually an exceptional teacher. I can tell you one that is more thoughtful and prayerful in in everything they do. They have different gifts, but they are actually not a church unless the Holy Spirit weds us all together as a congregation. We are a body of Christ. And today, as in these months, we are looking together, do we have the correct spiritual gifts? Has God put us together as a church? And then finally, last week, we talked about being a community, how it's a communal people, how we take care of each other and love each other in times of great joy and in times of sorrow. Well, today I want to give you one last component. It's an essential ingredient, and it's one of those ingredients that sometimes we leave out. We have to be a missional people. A missional people. What is a missional people? Well, it's just a group of believers who are on the mission that God has given us to do. God has given us to do. Okay. You've heard the phrase, you know, famous last words. Right? Famous last words. I'll never do that again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not... Uh, ooh, famous last words. The famous last words of the church, we never did it that way before. Yeah, you're, you're probably done. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's always leading us to new things. Famous last words. Uh, you won't see me here again, probably. Okay. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, we see one of those last sayings of Jesus. Um, in fact, it says this. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's called the Great Commission. That we are told by Jesus, his disciples, we're told to go. All nations, all peoples need to hear about who Jesus is and become disciples of him. uh, Putting their faith in him. Later we see after these times when the resurrected Jesus uh, in his last time with his disciples, he said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses. As believers in Jesus Christ, this doesn't apply just to those first followers of Jesus, but also to us, that we are called to be witnesses. And truthfully, let me just be honest with you, you're a witness. You're a witness for Jesus. Because you bear His name. Because you bear the the mark of the Holy Spirit is that seal in your life. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a witness. In your workplace and among your family. I don't know what kind of witness you are. Some of us can be bad witnesses, right? Uh, When we're upset, when we're not acting in faith, when we're not revealing the fact that the Lord is empowering our lives, we can be bad witnesses. Now, those first disciples took that role as witnesses very seriously. And uh, as Ethan referenced earlier today, that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and those early disciples uh, were immediately a witness there in Jerusalem. They began to proclaim Jesus and the group of believers Believers grew to over 5,000 people. But you know what part of the command they didn't follow? Was go. They didn't follow the command to go to all nations. Those first followers of Jesus were content to stay in Jerusalem. The church was growing. It was thriving. And people had come from all sorts of regions of the Roman world to celebrate uh, the various Jewish holidays. And more and more and more were, were, the scripture tells us by Acts chapter 4, that their numbers were growing daily of those who were followers of Jesus Christ. But the church stayed primarily in Jerusalem. People were expecting Jesus to come back. And they didn't keep going. They didn't take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We as believers can often do the exact same thing. We're content. We're content. I'll tell you, I was with some of our college students and young adults on Friday. Josh and I were actually there. It was a wonderful time of witness. It was a wonderful time of talking about who Jesus is in our lives. It was a wonderful time of praise and worship. But we didn't invite anybody else. I, I think I could have just stayed. We were there till like 11 o'clock. It was pretty late. I, could, I think I could have just stayed. It was a glorious time. And sometimes we get content to be that family. We get content to be that people of God. And we stop taking Jesus to the Galleria next door. We stop taking Jesus to our neighbors. We stop taking Jesus uh, to the nations. Jesus said, go. Well, by Acts chapter 9, we see that persecution begins to break out um, against the church. We see that uh, with the stoning of Stephen, we see this this massive sort of persecution in Acts chapter 8. We we see the the Christians begin to scatter. And so today we're going to look at Acts chapter 11 as sort of our focal passage today. And we're going to see how God was working among those early believers to show us how to be a missional people. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 11. It says in verse 9, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Now notice that once again, it was still mainly seen as a Jewish Messiah. Mainly seen that the people that are like us, the people we're comfortable with, the people who know us, those are the ones who we're going to tell about Jesus. But why did they scatter? Why did they do what Jesus told them to do? Well, initially, it was because of persecution, right? 
They were being thrown in jail. They were being, some were being killed in Jerusalem. So these guys were pretty smart. Let's get out of town. <laughs> Let's go back and visit. I think, I think I need to go visit some family. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you figured this out. Uh, I always go back at Christmas time because uh, the semesters are in break. I go visit my family. When we lived in New York and even here in Maryland, it's a good time to go to Texas. It's cold. It's snowy. It's time to just pack up and go to Texas for a little while. Two or three weeks in some sunshine. And my dad's always like, glad you're home. I got yard work. I'm thinking, yard work? It's December. But, uh, you know, it, it, we see those reasons to get out of town. The disciples got out of town because of persecution. But where they went, they began to spread the good news of Jesus. Here's what I want you to realize this morning. Did you know difficult times often refocus the people of God onto God's mission? Difficult times often refocus the people of God on God's mission. Those who were persecuted, those who thought, oh no, what's happening? Why is the church under being, our Christian friends are being thrown into prison? Apostles are being killed. Deacons like Stephen are being killed. Why? What do we do? Well, they began to tell people about Jesus. The hope that they had in Christ. They began to spread the good news. I have a neighbor. A friend, really, a pretty good friend. I've uh, known her for years. Uh, she doesn't know Jesus. She knows about Jesus. But, you know, she's pretty hostile. Do you have friends that are fairly hot? You know, they don't, religion comes up, God comes up, Jesus comes up, and they find a way to shut that conversation down pretty quickly. Until. Until a very close friend and a close relative of hers uh, was dealing with cancer. And all of a sudden, she began to open up more and more up to the conversations about the good news of Jesus. We respond. We have an openness. People have an openness when there's a need and a crisis. Our country has been through and is continuing to go through several different crises. Not just COVID, but racial tension, all kinds of things in this nation. People are open and need to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. People are open. But I'll tell you this too. Valley Baptist Church, we don't like to use the word crisis. I don't want to use the word crisis. But the truth of the matter is, we're deciding. August 15th, we're going to decide as a church. How is God leading? To go forward or not? I don't know if that's inspired you to start praying for their neighbors and inviting people, but I've started to invite people. People that I haven't invited to church. You know, I'm like, well, my church is all the way in Elkridge. That's where I go to church. I, you know, I, they won't come all the way down there. They'll come here. And the truth of the matter is, it's made me aware, why in the world was I not inviting people to church earlier? Why was I not inviting people? Because the, actually the situation here is causing me to look around going, who, who might God be calling today? To be part of this church. I forgot to tell you, our, our world's in a, in a crisis. Our country, that map up there, right? Wildfires, tornadoes, earthquakes. Lord, open the doors for the message of the gospel. Well, let's continue in Acts chapter 11. It says, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to preach to Greeks. And they did not just people from Greece. This meant everybody uh, that was not Jewish. Uh, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what does it say? Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch. Now, that might be a little confusing. Remember, 
people from all over the Roman world, all over the Mediterranean world, had come to Jerusalem and had found Jesus during those Jewish Pentecost days and uh, the Passover and other feast days. They had stayed, but now they were returning. They were being scattered because of persecution. During the first century, you could almost label and divide the Jewish people into two camps. There were what were called the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. All right. Now you feel like you're back in my New Testament class, right? Okay, the Hebraic Jews were the ones who really were devoted to the old ways, the traditional ways of doing things, using the Hebrew and Aramaic language. The Hellenistic Jews were the ones who had more adopted the Greek and Roman culture of those around them. Now, that may not make sense to a lot of us, but any of you all who have experienced that second-generation life, you know exactly what we're talking about, right? Um, that there are those who might be a little more Korean-Korean. Does that phrase make sense to anybody? Okay, some of my Korean students are like, yes, that makes sense. There are the Korean-Koreans, and then there's the more American-Korean. What, what does that mean? The people who are more comfortable uh, in the way they even think and the language they prefer to use. And so you might have parents or grandparents that prefer to speak Korean. And then you might have maybe children, grandchildren, that, well, quite honestly, uh, they've, they've, they feel more connection uh, with American culture than they do Korean culture. What's going on? It was the same in the first century. There were the Hebraic Jews, the Jewish Jews, right? And there were the Hellenistic Jews, the ones who had adopted Greek life and culture. The ones from Cyprus and Cyrene, they were the Hellenistic Jews. They, they knew Greek. They spoke Greek. They were more comfortable uh, living and moving in, in a world that was not Jewish. And when they were in Antioch, what did they do? They told the good news of Jesus to Greeks, people they were connected with, people they felt very comfortable with, people that even shared their same sort of cultural identity. It spread very quickly, and a lot of people came to know Jesus. Here's the point. Your uniqueness helps God's people on God's mission. You see, some of you are really good businessmen. Some of you are really talented businesswomen. Some of you are skilled scientists. Some of you guys are computer, you know, got skills with computers. Some of you guys just love just hanging out in the yard and working with some other people doing gardening. Some of you, uh, I don't know, fill in the blank. You have connections. You have skills. You have abilities. You have relationships. And they are unique to you. They're not mine. Don't expect me to go out and help build a garden. Sorry, Dick. I'm terrible at it. I kill everything. I mean, I, 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 mean, I am so good at killing stuff. I mean, it, people buy us plants and, they, and we put them in the house and every one of them kill, and we killed them all. We are terrible at keeping those things alive. We're ter- so I'm not coming to garden with you, okay? But you have friends. You have people you garden with. You have people that you work with, people that you share activities with. You have family members. Your uniqueness is a place for God to work in and through your life. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that you are God's handiwork. In Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. I'm terrible at computers. I'm not going to be in, in that environment. But those of you that are fabulous, you're, you are assigned to proclaim Jesus in those places. 
How are you being the witness that God has called you to be? We have to be a church that's on mission. Well, finally, I want you to see this in Acts. It says in verse 21, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The truth of the matter is, it's not by your power, your strength, your eloquent words, your just great, all the different evangelism, sharing Jesus 2000, uh, well that was a back one, oh, uh, uh, it, four spiritual laws, uh, evangelism explosion, it's, it, all those trainings are helpful. But ultimately, it is God's power that is opens the door and works in people's lives to transform lives to bring them to Christ. Ultimately, it is God's power that works. And we need to start acting as if it is God's power. Because God blesses God's people on God's mission. Isn't that a great phrase? Because talks about God a lot. Okay, God blesses God's people when they are on God's mission. Um, there's a couple of pictures of people working with uh, electricity and stuff up there, apparently. Um, one guy apparently knows what he's doing. And another person, <clears throat> I'm not going to say that isn't me. Um, there's another person that probably wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing on some mission trip with a bunch of college students. And, oh boy, everybody's got a little frightened. Okay, um, I think that's actually just a effect of the photo, not real electricity there, because I think I'd be dead. Um, but the reality is, when we approach witnessing and approach the mission of God, the mission to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ, we need to realize that we're not just messing around. We need to rely on the power of God. Today I've been praying uh, specifically for a wedding today. It's a wedding that's happening right here at Valley Baptist Church. I've been praying for this wedding. Because I know that many who are coming don't know Jesus Christ. And the couple has asked for me to share the gospel. And I mean, you know, I always put the good news of Jesus into the wedding ceremony. I, I always want to, you know, Jesus died for your sins. And I, I always mention it. But you know, today, would you join me in praying that all of a sudden it would be God's power. Not just the message, but the power of God would bring conviction. And people's eternities would be changed right here in this room today. Let's pray. Father, it's your work. Do what only you can do. Save. We prayed, we sung Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord Jesus, save. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if we're going to be a church that's on mission, that means you're going to have to begin to be on mission. The church can't be on mission without you being on mission. The church can't do the work of God unless you're doing the work of God. So how are you going to do it? Well, are we going to go start knocking on doors this afternoon? No, I'm going to challenge you. Well, you can. But I'm going to challenge you to do this. I'm going to challenge you to do this. Pray. Look what Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am chains. in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should.
Do you notice? Okay, I've highlighted it for you. Pray. 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 Pray that God would open the doors. Pray that God would make the a message clear. Pray that God would work. Our, our people today in Zambia, our mission partners, are hurting. We need to pray. Our families that don't know Jesus Christ are hurting. The world that is just, I mean, on fire right now with this pandemic. I mean, it is going crazy in parts of the world. We need to pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be spread. And we need to pray that God would open doors specifically for you and for me in our uniqueness to share his good news. Ethan led us in a scripture this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. And it concluded with this verse. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, if you've never made that decision, Maybe this is your moment. I'm going to be here at the front. You're welcome to come and speak to me now or pull me aside or any one of the other church members. Pull them aside today and say, I need Jesus in my life. Maybe you're watching online and you're hearing the message. Would you respond? But for all of us, would we respond? Here am I, Lord. Send me to my neighbor, to my family, in my workplace. I'm yours, Lord. Open the door. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. God, here we are. (laughs) But in your presence, send us out. Send us out. Thank you that you don't just bring people here, but that you would send us out as your witnesses. Help us go and make disciples of all nations as you told us, as you taught us, as you empower us. We pray this for your glory and for those who need to know you. And in your name, Lord Jesus, amen.